0: Foodie, 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 foodie. Not a Foodie studio in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn, on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. It's the Not a Foodie Show. As always, I am Tommy Alley, and with me is...
1: Me, Mike Miranti.
0: Hey, Mike. We are the Not a Foodie team. We are here to talk to you about all things food and food culture. Let's start as we usually do, Mike. Let's talk about the news. Yeah. da 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 da, da. We have to come up with it's a theme It's food news.
1: Food news.
0: Yeah. Food news. I have I have something that I want to talk about. Do you have anything? Do you have any food items? I have a bone to pick. A bone to pick. Yeah. Okay. I'm about to get political. You're going to get political. Mm-hmm. All right. This is everyone brace themselves for Mike's hot take. What do you got?
1: Councilwoman New York City Councilwoman Carlina Rivera uh-huh. is trying to ban the sale of foie gras.
0: Ooh. This is you know this is only like a six or seven minute segment. We're going to be talking about the news. This is this is like. This foie gras issue can be two hours worth of podcast debate. So what, what do you think about this?
1: I think if you're going to ban – I hate the sl- slippery slope argument. Okay. But, but like if you're going to ban – oh, well, the argument for foie gras is that it's not ethical. Well, what is foie gras? Fatty duck liver. Right. And also they, also known make, as delicious. How do they make foie gras? Um, you stick a tube down a, a duck's throat and you feed it till it <laughs> dies. Well, it's like the first scene in seven
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i i have I have thoughts about this. I mean, I feel like there there is a slippery slope. I feel like why are you okay with eating foie gras and or not okay with eating foie gras but okay with eating meat why i mean this is it's it's a veganism sort of thing. It's hard to make these decisions personally, there are things that I've thought of quite a bit, you know, when you're talking about food, but I think that you should not judge uh, foie gras production by the worst of the foie gras producers. Like, I think that there are some really good, I think that the, the majority of foie gras producers in the United States are really, um, they're well-run, and they're not ethical. inhumane, and they're ethical. And, you know, as people say, well, how can it be humane to force feed a duck or a goose? It's a goose, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, they're, it's actually not, feeding. It's, you know.
1: Uh, I, my main point is I'm very easygoing with um, food allergies or dietary restrictions. If you come to my house and you tell me that you don't eat meat, I'm not going to cook anything. I'm going to make a vegetarian dinner for you. Right. And, like, it's going to be great and it's going to be made with love and, like, that's that. Well, I
0: If you also tell me that you are th- against foie gras, I'm not going to serve you foie I'm gras. I'm not going
1: to serve you foie gras regardless. <laughs> like, you're not – I'm yeah. not making you foie gras, but <laughs> –
0: Foie gras and flaming hot Cheetos, yeah, (laughs) classic pairing. Yes. So no. So what do you think? You think that this is just something that we should not? We shouldn't even go down this road because it is a slippery slope. Yeah.
1: Where does it stop? I agree with you. I agree with you because like eating meat isn't ethical. So like if you want to say even if it's farm raised, free range, this and that, like you're still it's bread to be killed. Yeah. Like it's not an ethical thing, but it's delicious, and I'm gonna do it. All right. Well, there's your hot take. <laughs> Again, I have
0: something. You, you start, like, down this dark path about veganism and food and force-feeding ducks. I have something that's uplifting and fun. Good. I found um, – so my news article of the week is I found my next vacation spot. Oh, hey, yeah? Yes. It's um, – I'm going to Italy. Uh, um, okay. You know who uh, Massimo Bottura is? I've
1: heard of him, yeah. He's yes. He's kind of famous.
0: <laughs> so he has the uh, – last year, I think it was named the number one restaurant in the world. Yep. Um and what what's the name of it it's um asteria uh francescana i think it is uh so he and so besides from the best restaurant in the world he also runs a bunch of soup kitchens in italy that are like gourmet soup kitchens he makes and,
1: great balsamic vinegar yeah, too yeah
0: he's so he's in um modena and yeah. where balsamic vinegar is made and he he is actually opening up a inn like a fancy little bed and breakfast sort of place what I love about this is that when you check in, you get a bottle of Lembrisco and a hunk of Parmigiano-Reggiano to just sort of whet your appetite. Um, I think it's something like five or $600 a night.
1: Not crazy. No,
0: not crazy. I mean, it's absolutely going on my list of places that I need to, vi- to visit. But I'm reading the description. I read um, some of it in the Wall Street Journal, some of it on Eater. Um it's a 12 room house on 12 oh. acres. Oh, so it's so really it's a not a small crazy, little then, place for $500. Um, but it's night. going to have like, you know, it's going to have a pool, it's going to have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different really cool things on the property, but it's also going to be furnished with like um Andy Warhol paintings and like it's it is going to be really high-end and very highly curated and I think it's I, I mean it sounds like just perfect and I bet you Dollars to donuts said it's going to be harder to get a reservation there than it is to get a reservation at his you know number well, one restaurant in the world.
1: Yeah, because it, dinner there probably costs as much as a room, and there's only it's, twelve rooms.
0: It's a three hundred dollar dinner at his ten. He's it's a ten course tasting. Before menu. wine, before so that, before wine. now you're at five hundred. Yeah, and this is another five hundred. But you are pretty much guaranteed a reservation there if you stay at his inn. So, anyway, I've got a birthday coming up. And um, I think we should start a GoFundMe, so that all of all four of our listeners can kick in money and send us to uh, to, to Italy. We'll
1: put out great content.
0: We will absolutely. We'll put get out great an interview content. with him. <laughs> I, I, I when I was thinking of great content, I was thinking of just video of me shoving Parmigiano Reggiano in my face and pouring Lombrusco down my gullet. That's how we get the interview with him. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so we've got a really really great show today. We've got. Um, who do we have? We have Corey. Calvin. Corey. Corey Cavan is going to be on. Corey is awesome. He's funny. He's a comedian writer from New York. He runs a, a podcast um, about sex in the city. We talk about um, Valentine's Day. We answer some listener mail, which is something that we need, need more. Of. We need more of. So add us. So that's all coming up for you on the Not A Foodie Show on 620 AM Radio Rampa. Be back in a
1: minute. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff trade, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner.
2: If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour.
0: We are back with the Not A Foodie Radio Show on Radio Rapa 620 AM from beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Mike, this weekend, last weekend I should say, Super Bowl Sunday, I got a ton of uh, information on our Instagram posts.
1: Our Instagram story was way more and exciting than the Super Bowl or the <laughs> halftime show.
0: So, for those of you who didn't see our Instagram story, I asked people to send us what uh, they were making for the big game, and uh, we had a whole bunch of stuff. It was awesome. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because we love listener feedback, and I
1: think... Mike do you have some listener feedback yeah we got our second piece of uh mail
0: nice okay well first of all if you want to get in touch with us it's at not a foodie show on Instagram at not a Foodie show on Twitter info at notafoodie.com um I don't know you could send carrier pigeons Ravens whatever you want to do to get us uh you know to get in touch with us so how did this person get in touch with us
1: um Facebook message me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. But just so you know, um, we'll always reply to you. We might not be able to get it on one show because of how we produce things, but we will get to it as soon as we can. Yes. So this question is, how do you properly season and troubleshoot a cast iron?
0: Oh, fan. like like a cast iron fan? Well, yeah. obviously this one's for you, right?
1: No. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, after I cook with it, I just, um, I went <laughs> Throw I, it in the trash. <laughs> no, I, I, get all the dirt off of it and then I, um, I like put it under the sink. I get the stuff off and then I put uh, coconut oil and I rub it through. I low heat coconut oil and put it in. Nice.
0: Nice. You give it a massage with yeah. coconut oil.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I think Mike is looking at me funny because he knows that I'm a cast iron and, and carbon steel geek and I love, I love my carbon steels and cast iron pans. Um, so Let's let's break it down a little bit. Like, first of all, why do you want to sear with? Why do you want to use cast iron instead of um, a non-stick pan, a Teflon pan? Do You have and any idea?
1: Because it's better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you, yes. Do you know why it's better?
1: Some things are just better <laughs> than other <laughs> things, Tom. So know.
0: when you're making a steak or a pork chop, or you want to sear something, you want to get a, like a really good caramelization. Um, you want to use cast iron or carbon steel uh, because you get just the way that it's made you get a better sear. Uh, it's not as smooth as a nonstick pan and that actually makes gives a better sear be- uh, sear because there's less surface area that's that's touching. So there's more air that can get around it. Number 2, you never want to sear in nonstick because in order to get the temperature hot enough to effectively sear something, you're in sort of the danger zone for nonstick pans. Like it 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 like the the pan can't Handle the heat. The pan, the the chemical coating on nonstick pans should not get that hot. It actually emits dangerous chemicals. So you are dangerous fumes. So you should never get your uh, nonstick pan really, really hot enough to sear. So that's why you want to use carbon steel or um, cast iron. But carbon steel and cast iron take a little bit of work. They take a little bit of a work to maintain, and it's called seasoning. Uh, so do you know what seasoning is technically? Yeah. What?
1: It's the stuff that you put on the pan, and you get it hot, and you you build the the film.
0: You are correct. Where's our bell? (laughs) There we go. There's our bell.
1: I know a lot of things, Tom. I might not know them as well as you. I know them.
0: Well, I mean, you know more about wine than I do. You know more about how how a restaurant works. I know more about home cooking.
1: I cook, though.
0: (laughs) So... So when you get a cast iron pan, whether it's a new cast iron pan or it's an old cast iron pan that needs to be sort of re-seasoned, you always want to season it before you do anything with it. So the best way to season a cast iron pan, if it's salt new, and pepper. Yeah, salt, pepper, a little Greek seasoning. No, it has nothing to do with, <laughs> with herbs and spices. Um, what, it, what you're doing is you're putting a layer, a thin layer of oil that has a high smoke point, a good oil that has so a high smoke like point. like
1: olive oil or no, like not canola olive oil or you can use, coconut oil? You can
0: use sort of any oil. You do not want to use olive oil. Olive oil has a very low smoke
1: point. Any non-olive
0: oil oil. I mean, I use flaxseed oil. Flaxseed oil is um, – Grapeseed? Uh, Grapeseed is also a very low smoke yeah. point, so you don't want to use that. But I would use flaxseed. I would use – some people use sunflower oil. Um, some people use canola oil. Canola oil is fine.
1: And everyone has canola oil in their – Yeah,
0: soybean oil, you know, whatever it is. So what you do is the first thing you do before you do anything, you wash out your pan with soap and water. Just make sure there's no, you know, garbage in your pan, right? So you wash it, make sure it's very, very dry, uh, and then apply a thin coat of oil to all surfaces. I mean, I do it on the outside of the pan, I do it on the handle, I do it on everything. And then I put it in an oven, or actually I do it on my barbecue grill, I do it on my grill outside because uh, there's going to be a lot of smoke. So you get that grill or your oven up to as hot as you can get it, you know, 450, 500. 500 degrees. You put your pan in there, let it cook with all the oil on it. And what's happening is the oil is bonding to the cast iron or the carbon steel. And it's creating this seasoning, and it, which essentially becomes almost like a nonstick surface for this pan. So... You're you're getting all of this um, all of this really cool, uh, really flavorful oil that oil molecules that are bonding to your pan. You're creating this slick surface that allows you to sear things and also be nonstick. One of the most important things to do, though, is when you're done when when you're done seasoning for 20 minutes, half hour, however long you have it in there, turn your oven off or turn your grill off and let it cool down. Let yeah. the pan cool down.
1: If you've ever made the mistake of grabbing a pan outside of an <laughs> oven, that's a mistake you only make
0: once, so yes, it it's it's bad for your hand, but it's also <laughs> better for the pan to let it cool down with the with the baked on oil because that creates this nice slick surface for it. Um now that's that's how you season a pan. Then once you season a pan, caring for it is easy. i mean, i I use my cast iron or my carbon steel three or four times a week. And it's as simple as once you have a good seasoning on it, you cook your food, you you just – I just wipe it down. I, yeah. I, sometimes I don't even put water in it. Like I, I very rarely let water touch my pan unless like I really need to have water touch the pan. And if I do have water touch my cast iron pan, what I do is make sure it's completely dry before I put it away, put it on the stovetop burner, turn it up so all the water – that all the water molecules that are in there evaporate. And then sometimes I'll even put a little thin coating of canola oil on it before I put it away.
1: You uh, you just need a lot of paper towels. That's when it. When you're working with uh, cast iron.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you wipe it out so, with oil, with a paper towel, and throw the paper towels
1: in the trash. And you know me and my people, millennials, Yes, we, we killed napkins. Did you? I didn't
0: know that. Yeah, because we I just I know you used... killed what? Avocado? No, no you we, avocados you, avocados you raised up. Avocados us. us. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, but we killed napkins because we only use paper towels because they're just better at everything than napkins are.
0: I get yelled at. I for for like the first five or six years of my marriage, I got yelled at because I would use paper towels instead of napkins. And I mean, I I was I guess you're also a millennial. Yeah. At heart, at heart, <laughs> I'm I'm young at heart. <laughs> I'm young and in debt at heart. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is what the kids are doing now. Huh? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so. I go and find a cast iron pan if you don't have one. Go and find a carbon steel pan if you don't have. Carbon steels are, are harder to find, but like you can go to like any junkyard and find a cast iron pan that's just sitting there rusting away. Um, that will take a little bit more
1: work. to I get don't it suggest back. you go to a junkyard.
0: I don't know. I just, junkyards. I don't, I don't know where there's a junkyard that we would find a cast iron pan now. It's, uh, but you could always find like at a garage sale or something like that. You you can find old cast iron pans. They are
1: indestructible,
0: and they are, like, lifelong pan. I think we have one that we don't even know where it came from. We just know that it was in one of our families for years.
1: Everyone um, has a cast iron pan that they don't know where it came from.
0: They have no idea. Yeah. And it's and I keep it seasoned, and I brought it back from the dead, you know, many, many years ago. I, I, like, really, really scrubbed out all of the rust spots and then reseasoned it. I mean, and it's, like, this slick black surface. It looks awesome. I use it to sear things all the time it's perfect. It's the perfect sort of utility. If I had to take three pans with me, you know, for the rest of my life. <laughs> if you're stuck on a desert island. If I'm island. stuck on a desert, if I'm stuck on a desert island, I want a cast iron pan. That's it. Um, if you know, One pan for the rest of my life. But three pans are just a regular saute pan, like um, a regular stainless steel pan, um, a carbon, a cast iron pan, and a nonstick because I like the nonstick for making like eggs and stuff in the morning. But if I had one, if I had a, Choose one pan for the rest of my life, it would be cast iron so perfect. who was that uh who's that question from? Do we my,
1: have a name? Yeah, my friend Blake who's um in finishing up uh, medical school in Alabama right now. Ah. so he cooks a lot because the dining options aren't uh, wonderful. um I mean in Alabama, I'm sure you can go to a junkyard and find a
0: cast iron pan. Probably. I mean, I don't know anything about the way he talks Alabama.
1: about Alabama. Probably.
0: <laughs> Sorry to all of our Alabama listeners out there. Well, thanks for thanks for the question, Blake. Blake. Blake from Alabama. <laughs> no, I feel like we're doing a sports call show. Thanks for the question, Blake from Alabama. You're, who's up next on Not Foodie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep the questions coming. We're info at notafoodie dot com at Foodie Show
1: on Twitter and Instagram. Or DM us personally.
0: Yeah. At Mike
1: Maranti at Team Miale.
0: Cool. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming.
1: We'll be back after this. You're
0: listening to The Not A Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from The Not A Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at com for more information.
2: If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, The staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. And we're back.
1: Thanks for tuning in, listening to the Not A Foodie Show at Radio Rampa, 620 AM. As always, it's Mike and Tom. Hey. So, Valentine's Day. Yes.
0: Mike, I've been wanting to talk to you about Valentine's Day for a while. Will you be my date for Valentine's
1: Day? (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't even
0: ask. That's not not why I wanted to talk to you about Valentine's Day. Um, I was always curious about what Valentine's Day is like from the point of view of someone who has worked in restaurants. For Sure. And so, like, tell me all about Valentine's Day in a restaurant. So, what, yeah. What, like, there's some secrets? Or, are there, like, what,
1: what's Valentine's Day in a restaurant like? So, Valentine's Day, so you have December, which is absolutely crazy. Every day in December is a crazy day in the restaurant. You know, Christmas yeah. Eve, Val- New Year's Eve is insane. Um, then you have January. Mm-hmm. And January is slow. It's just dead. And then it re- Valentine's Day is the first day where restaurants pick up. Okay. You, had, you made no money in January and everyone you're not really used to pushing out what you were doing a month ago because you're just the you haven't been doing it. Right. Um so now your restaurant that seats a hundred seats where you have a table of eight, some circle of four, some deuces, you're taking all those big tables out uh uh-huh. and you're replacing them all with deuces.
0: So you're putting just two tops. Two
1: tops everywhere. Everywhere. I I'm of the thought, the school of thought, where, like, I actually hate the circle tables, mm-hmm. and I really like just deuces that you could put together and take apart. Some places have the big uh, tops that they'll put on top of tables for groups. Right. But this day, you're really just doing deuces, and for the maybe, like, mom, dad, uh, son, and girlfriend or something will go out together. Yeah, or double like date that. sort but of yeah. thing. But besides that, it's really just two tops everywhere. So
0: every restaurant they're they're getting rid of their large tables. They're putting two and four tops and mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. It just a, a top is, you know, how many people are seating at yeah. a, seated at a table. Seated at a table.
1: Um they're also we were uh when I was managing, we were like looking at the open table reservations mm-hmm. every day and trying to put together a seating chart a couple of days out so we had an idea of of what's going the on there. Of service and everything. Yeah. Um, What about menus? Yeah, that's what I was going to get to next. Uh, Some places will do a prefix, price fixed, where Mm -hmm. you'll have four courses, five courses. Some places will just stay a la carte with some specials. Some psychopaths are going to do both, and that's a recipe (laughs) for absolute disaster. Psychopath restaurants, you're saying. Psychopath restaurants, yeah. There's no reason on a day like that to make it any harder for yourself. So don't do that. Unless they're just like... Uh, Maison Premier was a place I was looking at. They're a oyster restaurant in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. They have 25 different oysters on their menu. That's they're,
0: that sounds fairly easy to do for Valentine's well, Day. Yeah,
1: I'm... exactly. So they're doing a $125 prefix menu, but they didn't say what the menu I couldn't find the menu online besides them saying that they were doing a $125 Valentine's prefix. Okay. So that would be a place I'd want to go to and just crush 25 different oysters. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to, um, Go and spend one hundred and twenty five dollars on a prefixed dinner, but I would like to go there for the oysters. So a place like that could probably do prefix and just the oysters okay. or something. But to do an entire full restaurant menu and an entire prefix and, menu is crazy. And they're doing most
0: of these restaurants are doing uh, you know a price fixed menu just to make it easier for themselves yeah. because they know that there's going to be a lot of volume that day. They 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 don't want to spend a lot of time you know dealing with customers. They want to churn right. They want people coming in eating and then leaving.
1: Right. Yeah, they they're going to have a chicken, beef, and fish option, and they know they have 150 on the book, so they're going to have 100 ch- chicken, 100 beef, 100 fish, or whatever. And okay, they're going to just knock it out.
0: So, as a as a patron of a restaurant, if I'm going to a restaurant on Valentine's Day, what um, what should I do, and what should I not do?
1: Uh, you should tip your waiter really well. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I feel like it's it's. Like on New Year's as well, right? Like the the big holidays, Christmas, New Year's, yeah. New, New Year's for the
1: most part, people tip really well. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving people tip like garbage. Really? Yeah. I wonder why. Because they're lonely and they're angry because yeah. they're not eating with their family on Thanksgiving. Well, um, but
0: so so tip really well tip if you're well. going to a restaurant on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, tip really well. It,
1: it's gonna be busy. Mm-hmm. Your food's gonna come out. Have another glass of wine. And, you know, you're there, you're not there for anyone else besides your date. Like, have, just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Drink champagne. Nice. That's my other, that's like my life lesson. Um, Why? Why? Just because it's fun? Because it's the best. Yeah. Because real, so you're probably going to get like a glass of Prosecco Mm -hmm. with your Valentine's Day prefix, usually. uh, Or like rosé or something. Order a bottle of champagne. Like real champagne. Real champagne. It, It could even be like... Uh, vuve or Moe, not big grower champagne, just what it's champagne, it's delicious. They're like, there's no such thing as bad champagne. So, are you, uh, are you working on Valentine's Day? Um, do you know yet? My life is like real crazy right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm training, we're, we're opening up the one place, right? And I'm still at the other place very part time. Yeah. Mike is
0: like working nine jobs. And, it's, it's yeah, absolutely it's crazy. crazy right now. Um, so, Odds are you'll probably be working somewhere. I,
1: well, I might not be working that night, but I might pick it up. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. Um, I, I usually, cause I'm so used to working on Valentine's Day, I'm used to going out the day or two before, like the Monday before usually is when I go out on Valentine's Day to celebrate Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, so there's
0: another, another pro tip. No, but that,
1: that's not, that's cause I'm
0: busy. industry, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: That so that's not a tip that's just what I've had to do. <laughs> but I would like to cook I think too.
0: Yeah. That's I, good. What about you? Oh, I I never go to a restaurant on Valentine's Day. Of course Day. not. No, no, I can't. I can't I can't deal with people. I hate people. Um no, I um my my wife and I uh, we started dating right around Valentine's Day, you know, many many years ago and instead of trying to you know, force the relationship into going to a restaurant on Valentine's Day and dealing with the craziness. She cooked me um, a meal and it was lobster. And from then on, every Valentine's Day- Did she kill the lobsters? Yeah, she did. It was impressive. Yeah. (laughs) There were were some really impressive moments in my, like, that that just drew me to my wife. That's
1: how I knew she was the one.
0: Uh, Like, that and her DVD collection was, like, Animal House and Caddyshack and, like, Strange Brew, which no one I knew had the Strange Brew DVD. So, that was it. So, she could kill a lobster and she appreciates, like, weird Canadian humor. (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah so she cooked she cooked lobster and then every year from from then on we've had lobster we've never gone to a restaurant for valentine's day we always have some variation of lobster sometimes it's poached sometimes it's live sometimes it's cantonese something lobster you know, thermidor i've done lobster thermidor yes which i didn't even know what it was when i made it i had to look it up and
1: you should do it for this valentine's
0: day so we could talk about it lobster thermidor
1: yeah. Ugh, I, don't, I don't know man <laughs>
0: I already did a beef wellington so that we could talk about it.
1: You set the bar very high, Tom.
0: <laughs> now I have to do lobster thermidor. I'm only going to do, um, we're going to only talk about meals that you have to wear a monocle when you're eating from now on. That's it. Monocle and top hat. Um, so what are you going to cook?
1: If if you're not working and you're going to be home, what are you going to cook? So I bought an oyster shocking knife. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So I'm going to buy some oysters. Nice. um, And then I think cream spinach is a very sexy uh, Valentine's Day dish. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, there's going to be a side of cream spinach. And I'm thinking like a roast chicken. Roast chicken's awesome. Just, like, a really, really fragrant spatchcock lemon garlic. Yeah. Or just roast chicken. Use that chicken.
0: Or, or do, like, the Thomas Keller recipe that's just a whole roast chicken at a high high heat with crispy skin. That's really good, too. Yeah. Like, that's, that's great. Well, I mean, I want to go back to the oysters for a second because I can't wait to see your hands after Valentine's Day. You will have, like, little
1: poke marks in your hands. I have the gloves. It came with the gloves. What gloves? They're, like, little like protection gloves. Oh, so, like the chainmail gloves? No, they're not like they're not like I'm a knight, but they're like they're like light, they're like Kevlarish. And oh, man. It came with them. It was like a dollar more. I was like, yeah, I'll buy these. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I
0: think that um I think that we're going to have to videotape that cuz I want to see you open. It. You should have your girlfriend videotape you opening up oysters. It's just going to be curses just I, I, that's fine. That's fine. It won't we won't put it on on an AM radio. <laughs> But I want a super cut of all the curses that you do when you're trying to open up an oyster I mean, for the first time. I mean, worried,
1: I'm worried I'm going to buy a dozen of them and just, like, mess them all up.
0: I mean, you can't really – if you mess them up, you can – like, if worse comes to worse, you could take a hammer and smash them and take <laughs> like the an oyster. Honor. Yeah, it's just like a seagull. Like, just <laughs> drop them from the from your window and then go down and pick them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's great. So just make sure you spit out the shells. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Well, that's 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 great. I'm glad. I really want to see that video. Uh, yeah, next week. All right. Cool.
1: So uh, that's that's it for this segment. Stick around. We have a real, real cool guest coming up. Awesome. All right. Corey well, yeah, Calvin.
0: Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you're well, awesome with the names. We'll
1: double check when he gets back. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, you listen to the
1: Nada Foodie Show, six twenty a.m. Radio Rapa. Greenpoint point, Buckland. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at ExpressDiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner.
2: If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so. BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour.
0: And we are back with the Not A Foodie radio show on Radio Rampa, 620 AM. Mike. Yeah. We've got a uh, special guest with us today.
1: Corey Cavan. Corey Cavan. Not Cavan or Calvin. It's Corey (laughs) (laughs) Cavan.
0: So Corey is with us. Corey is, hey Corey, first of all, how are you? I'm good, how are you?
3: <laughs> I'm great. It's great to be brought in while I'm sitting here having you uh, pronounce my name correctly. <laughs> I, I, it's great, most people
1: don't.
0: Mike, is, uh, Mike and I are both sort of infamous for um, not being very good with pronunciation.
1: People butcher my last name all the time, so I try to just not butcher anybody's.
3: Yeah, once it's happened to you, then you want to, you know, it, it. it makes you want to help out other people and get identity. theirs correct.
1: People yeah. skip the T in my last name. They just go Marani. Marani. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no. There's not many silent T's except in the word like tchotchke. That's wow, probably the only... I, I could not have. <laughs> if I could ever do example. as well in Scrabble as I just did then, <laughs> uh, I, would, I would be the champion of Words with Friends. So, yeah.
0: so Corey is a writer and comedian. If you couldn't tell, he's also a really smart person. <laughs> um, he can tell you mispronounced names and everything. Uh, but... uh, Mike, I'm very excited to have Corey on the show because Corey, can you talk about um, one of the, one of the things that you did for late night?
3: Sure. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a, I'm a writer and comedian in New York. I've been living here for a while. Uh, I've worked on a lot of late night shows, uh, but I'm also interested in food and, and this is where our intersection starts with each other. I, uh, I, I used to be a, a digital producer and writer for Jimmy Fallon when he was doing late night with Jimmy Fallon. and I ran this thing called Late Night Eats.
0: I I love it already.
3: It's uh so I, it it was really lucky to get to do it. One of the producers there was like, anytime we have a chef come on before they go out and do their segment with Jimmy on the air, let's bring them back here and see if we can get them to do a five minute segment about what something they would cook late night for under $10. Basically like if you were, if you were a world famous chef that was going to teach a college kid, how to make food for cheap? So, like,
1: what David Chang does when he's high.
3: So, exactly. <laughs> so, Chang was the first guy. Oh, he was did. Okay. And the whole reason this started, and I've said this before, the whole reason it started is I was a big Momofuku fan, and uh, this producer uh, Jim Javonen, was saying he was like Chang is coming on. What if we get Chang to make Hangover Ramen? Oh yeah. And I was like, I'm, I, w- I really wanted to do that. I was like, I'm totally in because we would get to make a video with David. And all it was was David showed up. He took a thing of. Um, Instant ramen, ramen, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and he showed how to poach an egg in it. He was like, basically, here's how to dress up your ramen. But he showed how to poach an egg with a spoon to where you don't burn it on the bottom, so the egg still stays soft. Kind of how you would do a poached egg in in like good like momofuku style ramen or whatever that they had at the restaurant. Well, I mean
0: that that. Egg in momofuku robin is like the best egg we, in we've, the world.
1: The not the not foodie team has called it the best egg.
3: Have <laughs> you tried to make it before? It's in his. It's in the momofuku cookbook. I it's have. a sous vide egg, though, right? It's basically a yeah. sous vide egg. It's a yeah. soft boiled egg, and it's it's you have to, you put a plate on the bottom. It's all about not getting the egg to touch the bottom, and so it doesn't burn. Right. right
0: yeah. Right. So if you use an immersion circulator, if you use the sous vide, you don't have to worry too much about that. But right. like, you don't need to use a, an immersion circulator to get that egg. Anyway, that's me geeking out over how to make a poached egg. I want to hear more about the— Well, so what Late Night Eats was,
3: and what's interesting, you bring up the sous vide thing, is Late Night Eats was basically saying how could we teach someone, a college kid or someone like that, to try to do some of these kitchen hacks when you don't know what a sous vide is or you don't— you don't, you know, how do you teach someone to make a cocktail when they just learned what bitters is? And so then it would be like we had Anthony Bourdain there— teach us how to make a Negroni and, oh, he, wow. was, and he was awesome. like, here's what a Negroni is. First of all, cause you know, if you were in college, you just started drinking, you're like Jack and Coke. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. So like Meister once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. Fireball. I'm, I'm of that age. Fireball. 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 Fireball's I... pre-mixed where it's just, you know, it's just whiskey <laughs> and Red Hots. But, yes. uh, but it was, yeah. So basically it was like five minute videos. Uh Chang did a bunch
1: of them. It sounds like what not a foodie was before, or what not a foodie is before not a foodie existed.
3: Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Which is just like short, easy, good cooking video kind of things. But yeah, David Chang did uh, hangover ramen. Uh, Bourdain did cocktails. Bourdain did something that was amazing one time where it was basically what you would get home and eat at two in the morning after you'd been out at bars. And, and he did three things. One of them was cold Kung Pao chicken. And, but the, the, the best one was, uh, it was, um, crunch berries and milk. And he said, but you have to speed eat it so that you speed eat the crunch berries in the milk and by the end you're not sure if the milk is pink from the crunch berries or from the blood from the roof of your <laughs> mouth and then he likened it to like eating ordelon where he's like it's like eating ordelon you know where it's like it's a shameful thing but your mouth is bleeding and he was like and then you just go to bed and forget it's your kind night not. like meth mouth yeah, yeah. Oh, but it was it was it was basically me in a in a room with these guys with like a sometimes a flip cam or just a which do you remember flip cams yeah of course yeah the the pre iphone cam flip cams? i no cuz i never worked in media in any <laughs> well, flip cams Flip cams were like before everyone had a, f- a yeah, nice I mean, camera on the, the iPhone phone pretty
0: much killed the killed flip the flip cams. cam. Yeah, you used to just walk around with these little things that would flip out and you could yeah, do Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah I know. Yeah.
1: I know it from like TV, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I know it from the historical stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw that on a newsreel once. So I did that and um but through that I that was kind of like I was always into the new York, I was always into food once I moved to New York. Um I love kind of like a back alley Chinese food place that's yeah. been there for forever. I first time I ever came to New York was when I was in college, and some friends and I went and waited outside at Wohop to try to get oh, in. Nice. I saw a dude pull a gun out on someone, which at was WoHop. crazy at Wohop in in the street at Wohop. A couple like gangsters, like some some like young punk kids. So like that was my introduction to New York, and I was like, I, I moved here to get. Into I need comedy. to live here. I need to live here. <laughs> Guns and Chinese food.
0: I used to um, play in a back alley poker game that was near wohop that was crazy that was like upstairs uh I, it was maybe two or three doors down from wohop and it was like upstairs and it was one of the like scariest but awesome new york <laughs> moments yeah where you're like i this is new york this is new york city i guess people do this i'm i'm in this Weird, you know, back alley poker. You're game. like
3: on the set of Molly's Game, yeah, that movie, exactly. Yeah. What's, exactly. Which, which, a whole other podcast, but the whole back alley poker thing was like a big thing in New York for oh a while. Oh my god, right? it was the Texas
0: Hold'em Revolution. It crazy. Yeah. I've seen it's rounders. rounders, yeah, it's all it those rounders, it was yeah, all yeah. rounders, and I mean, it was uh. It was amazing the amount of poker rooms that were around at that, that time that were serving bad food. So we're not going to talk about them. On yeah, the yeah, TV no, podcast. that's all like cheetos and
3: stuff. But yeah, but we did that. Um, one of the best moments of it was I was I was in a bit at Fallon where I was dressed up as Snooky with like full full nails, <laughs> hair. I had a fake like chest on with fake with like breasts and stuff like that. Yes. And I had to interview and shoot a video of Ming Tsai, and Ming was teaching us how to make uh, like easy Super Bowl dips Wait, or something how, like how that. How did
0: they tie in Snooki with Well, with it, was, it was 2007.
1: It was 2007. <laughs> it was just like,
3: we're throwing everything at the wall. No, Ming was on as a, as a food guest and we were doing a bit about a costume party and so I was one of the staffers that was in the bit dressed up as Snooki at this, co- it was a bit called Put It In Reverse. If you Google Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, you can find it. But they were like, before Ming goes on, you got to film his segment before you get out there and do your thing. So there's a great picture I have that I can send you guys of me and Ming Tsai with me Dressed as Snooky, and Snookified. then Ming, yeah, and Ming Tsai being like, "Here's how you mix salsa and Greek yogurt to make a healthy, tasty, creamy dip." <laughs> I also met Slash that day because he was on the show. Oh my god, that's he, a banner day! It was great. I'm a huge Lash. Guns N' Roses fan. He kind of checked me out as Snooky, nice. so it was great. He didn't realize he thought I was a he thought I was Snooky.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about what you're doing now because this I find <laughs> awesome. This is one of the, like. One of the coolest yeah, things yeah, that I've ever heard. Sure. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Bradshaw Boys. So
3: I uh, I started a podcast with two good friends of mine. Um,
0: Podcasting is a wave of the future,
3: I heard. It really is, yes. and I'm glad all three of us are riding that wave right now. <laughs> we were riding it into the future. Um, I started this podcast with with two other friends who uh, – one of the guys I do comedy with, and another guy that I write with, and none of us had ever seen the show Sex in the City before, but it was always mm-hmm. like a guilty pleasure. Like my whole deal with it was that I, I would always say like – when I was home alone, I one time I like caught myself drinking red wine, eating dark chocolate, and watching Sex in the City, and realized I was <laughs> my own female doppelganger. Like I'm nice. my own female version of myself, but I'd only seen like a couple episodes of it before. And these other two guys were like, one of them would watch it with his wife, but he'd never really seen it. And the other guy used to lead Sex in the City tours, but he'd never seen the show ever. Wow. How does and that happen? That's a was, ballsy move. It's yeah. basically like you just do the tour. You you like read the script. And then he would get through it and be like, I've never seen an episode. And people would be like, what? And then they would be like, oh, you gotta, you know the reason we're at Magnolia, right? Because, you know, Carrie and Miranda. So we decided to watch the entire show and in a podcast called The Bradshaw Boys. And so we've been doing it. We're in the middle of season three right now. And oh, wow. we've had some great guests. And, and it's a really good show. Really I did like the same it. thing. Yeah, so when like, we met, you yeah. told me
1: you it was the same deal. I watched a couple of episodes over the course of my life mm-hmm. and I was like, let me just watch this show. And it's i I think I finished season three. I think I'm like, ooh. I think I'm up to season four, okay. but I stopped watching it because there's like a lot of really good television on Right now, we, also,
3: we've passed peak TV. There's too much to watch, so you've got to pick really something and go with it. So I, I understand, Joe.
0: I'm not ashamed to admit that I I watched it, and at the time, any woman that I dated
1: hated the show, and
0: I watched it myself. Yeah. On I would Sunday have watched
1: nights. it if it was on. Like if Sex in the City was on right now, it mm-hmm. would be in my rotation.
0: Well, I haven't watched it in in years, right? Yeah. So I went back last night and watched a couple of episodes because I knew that you were going to be on the show. Oh, yeah. And um, what amazed me, first of all, what amazed me is that it's not... No, it hasn't been remastered, right? It's all still it's it, it's
3: still 4, three. Like four by three. It's yeah, it's not it's not sixteen nine. A lot of it, I think, the whole show was shot on film, so yeah. the, a lot of it's pretty grainy.
1: It's yeah. it's very grainy. That first season, especially. And oh man,
3: they, we saw an episode not too long ago where there's just like straight up boom in the shot, and they didn't take it out. And really? That, yeah, it's just yeah. It, it, there's some rough things, even though it's like a it's a well made show.
0: Well, one of the things that that I noticed when watching the show, and this is we. Uh, obviously I have – I'm looking at the world through this food sort of looking glass. Yeah, of course. And I noticed all of the different restaurants that yes. they're eating at.
3: And it's it's an amazing thing because people have said the same thing about Broad City or shows like that, but it's like a show about these four women, but it's also – the fifth character is New York. Right. But I, it's like in the fifth character being New York, it's, it's all about restaurants because – I, there's a woman named Jennifer Armstrong who we had on our podcast who wrote a book called Sex and the City and Us. Mm-hmm. And she says in the book, like these four women, women basically invented brunch because like every I, single episode, yeah. they're in that same place. and well, they're, it,
0: they're in cafeteria, I believe.
3: right so the cafeteria? Or they're yeah? in cafeteria, but I think at some point it just kind of becomes a generic thing. Yeah.
0: Maybe it's, it's just, just a like side, a white wall. It's restaurant. a white walled
3: restaurant, like a New York City place with a giant thing of sugar that you pour in coffee and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. But uh, but yeah, they they are at restaurants all the time, like, and they that's where they we call it chat and choose. But that's where they have their chat and choose. It's always you know at a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, and there's tons of great New York restaurants. In
0: yeah, it. and there's I mean there's classic ones that are. I mean Eleven Madison Park plays a big part in. I don't know if you. Oh, I've seen it. You've so, seen that episode. It, well, so the, don't interesting thing. I want to
3: spoil. Well, anything no, for interesting you. thing that we've said is like so. It's been three and a half seasons. We haven't. Um, you know, we haven't finished it. Spoilers are like off the table. So if you know something, you can tell me. Yeah, like, it's you fine. Can't really spoil, really spoil yeah, it. It's twenty years, years old, ago. but what's interesting is the Eleven Madison Park episode is when spoiler alert for anyone listening here, but it's when Big tells Carrie that he's getting engaged to this girl. And what was interesting about that is Natasha. Natasha. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, Natasha. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, see, you know the show. Just I'm better I'm, than you. I'm going to come on the show. Yeah, you are going to come on the show. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this. But um, my
1: girlfriend's excited.
3: I really? You, yeah. 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 No, I'm excited. Um, but uh, I'm more excited than your girlfriend. Say that right <laughs> But uh, what's interesting is they're at Eleven Madison. They have this big fight, and then he like storms out, and then she goes after him. She trips and knocks over a like a hole, like a jack stand or something like that, knocks over a tray. And I was thinking, I was like, I, so I've actually never been to Eleven Madison, but I was like, if you're there, you're paying all this money. There's like two adults in their forties just fighting with you. you'd be like get these animals out <laughs> of yes, here exactly I'm paying 450 dollars what <laughs> Danny did... meyer take care of it yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah
1: that's true. Well, what an awful place to bring someone to break up with them yeah or to tell them like to tell them like i'm marrying someone else
0: well, that, was, that was the whole thing the 21 club was uh, there is or, or i think my favorite like crazy moment that happens in film but never happens in real life is sushi samba yeah. Where Samantha throws a martini in somebody's yeah, face. Yeah, 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 Like, yeah. I have never seen that in a restaurant. I, no. I'm I'm willing to pay extra to see that at a restaurant.
3: I had a friend dump a beer down my back at a stand-up show I was doing, and it was in, like, a little restaurant in—it was at a bar in Brooklyn. And, like, that's about as far as you're going to get. Yeah, as, I mean, I've know. been
1: doused with beer at yeah. dive bars. But no one's like,
3: going to toss a martini in your face at, like, a hot spot. But right.
1: Especially, like, a $20 martini.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing that I thought is we we were talking to a guest about Cosmos because, Co- you know, Sex and the City launched the Cosmo. Yes. Uh, which there's a bar on Atlantic Avenue um, in, I guess it's Carroll Gardens or Brooklyn Heights called Long Island Bar. And I believe his name is, t- yeah, it's, it's, it's Long Island Restaurant. A guy named Toby Shasheen, I believe is his name, bought it. He's a bartender. He invented the Cosmo. Oh really? Yeah, he invented the Cosmo at some other bar in the '90s, and he's kind of was in the sort of cocktail revolution of the mid 2000s in New York. And uh, but Cosmo's back then, like, yeah, it was like twenty something dollar drink. Yeah, and they're
1: ho- they're horrible. They're I'm, not. They're uh, I, I, I hate cranberry juice. Well, then that's not your drink. Like I just I for I, sure. I, Dislike cranberry juice on a basic level. Well, I just, I always thought
0: of Cosmos as, um, especially in that era. Yeah. Like, I, I grew up, my family would have martinis. My yeah. family loved martinis. And I always Much thought that like, Cosmos were for women who did not want a martini, but they wanted to look cool with a martini
3: glass. I believe it's been called the flirtini.
1: Is that what that's called?
3: I think there's a drink called a flirtini, and I think it's like a Cosmo. It's now, basically it's like a pink martini yeah. that's sweet.
1: Yeah. Now Cosmos are for millennials who watch Sex in the City. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's pretty a much percent, it. Yeah. yeah.
3: And middle-aged men like myself <laughs> who do that as well.
1: But you do it for a living. I do it for a, yeah. <laughs> it,
3: that's that's very generous of you. But yeah, but I think Sushi Samba. It's interesting because like I don't know if Sex in the City did this for Sushi Samba, but it definitely did for Magnolia and cupcakes oh, yeah. in general. Mm-hmm just launched that business into the stratosphere.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree on both. I mean, I remember sushi Samba um, being a very hot spot to go to yeah. at that, at a, at a particular time in New York city. And it was always uh, titled as the bar where someone got a martini thrown in their yep, face. Sure. Um, what was his name? Richard?
3: It's Richard. We haven't we good. haven't met that guy. Uh, you yet, haven't met him, but yet? I read about it when I did. Re- I was I was reading up on Sex and the City restaurants Sorry, and spoiler. I read it. Hey, spoilers are off the table, man. <laughs> They're off the table.
0: Um, but Magnolia is is probably the biggest success the, story. It's got out be. of Sex and the City,
3: right? It's got to
1: be. How? Well, well, I
0: think Tao is too big to be influenced by Sex and the City. I think, think Tao became very popular. Magnolia also spot. closed
1: down though. But Magnolia Ma- closed and reopened.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Magnolia—you can get Magnolia cupcakes in like Dubai now. Yeah, if like, you—it's
3: crazy. If you read on the internet, there's a there's uh, an interview with the the owner of Magnolia, and he was like, the week before the episode, you know, we were, there was no line out the door. The week after the episode, like, the next year, we started doing two to three million dollars in sales. Yeah. and All it's right. and it's one scene. It's yeah. it's it's Miranda and Carrie talking about Carrie's crush on Aiden. Um. You eating know, a cupcake, yeah. Eating a cupcake. And I I I haven't seen the rest of the the series, but I think that's the only time they're really there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. It's that's something. Maybe that's really they do it again, but it's, it's I mean, when you think about food, you think about when you think about food and sex and the city, you think magnolia. That's the first thing that pops into my mind. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It probably it it wouldn't surprise me if it was just that one episode that just made it all take off. Yeah.
3: Cupcakes and Cosmos, man. Well, you well, brought up something I, I was gonna say, you brought up something interesting that's about like just the way that Restaurants back then were different in New York.
0: Yeah. I, so, you know, watching these old episodes of Sex in the City, I'm noticing that all of these restaurants, and, you know, I lived in the city at the time, all of these restaurants were really desirable to go to for their atmosphere and their vibe, right? Like, so you're going to all these crazy places that um, have this great in- interior and just this really great vibe loud music playing, their party places like that. This is before the food network revolution. So the Food Network Revolution is that moment when chefs became celebrities. So most of those places don't exist anymore. Most of those vibe-driven places don't exist anymore because I think they've been taken over by chef-driven
1: places. They don't open anymore at all. You
0: can't. Now you have to have a chef. Mm -hmm. And I I also think that Samantha, she did PR for mostly hotels, right?
3: I think
1: so. Restaurants.
0: And rich people. But I think that she... If, if it were to be rebooted today, I think she would be a PR person for celebrity chefs. A million percent. For some crazy yeah. celebrity chefs. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but I do think that, like, a lot of those places that you see, like Pastis is is closed. Pastis was a place that you went to to be seen. Yeah. No one could tell you who the chef was there or yep. anything like that. It was very... There weren't a lot of episodes where the chef was focused. And if the chef was focused, it was some actor or actress playing the chef.
3: Yeah, and and um, one thing... I don't know if they ever went to Le Cirque on there, but you mentioned Pesti's. I don't know who the chef was at Pesti's at mm-hmm. Pesti's at that time. But you think about Le Cirque, and I know we talked about this one time before we did this podcast. But Le Cirque, if they would have gone there, would have been like Le Cirque, the hottest place right near Central Park. <laughs> but if you look at it at the time, the people that were working at Le Cirque were like, um, oh, it was a. Uh, Jacques Torres was working there. Well, Jacques Torres was, well, Danielle Balloud. Danielle was was, was, they, was he the head chef? Jean-Georges was before there. Before they
1: closed, they Andrew had a Carmelini tasting menu Carmelini of yeah. one dish from, like, every great chef that's ever worked there, and it yeah. was it was uh get, it was titled to them, or what the yeah. credit was given to them. I mean, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, like this by this person. Uh-huh. And that's
0: something that, you know, back then, or if it were to be rebooted now, they would Talk about that one hundred percent. Talk about all the celebrity chefs that have come through here. It, it would be like billions. What yeah. billions does now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. that's
3: yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they would, and I guarantee you that some of the women would be dating some of those guys. Absolutely, like there would be a whole deal where Samantha or Charlotte would. Go on a date with David Chang, but say she's trying a vegetarian thing and Chang would just like cuss her out because he's and like throw a pan at her. Or
0: complain eat. about the chef
3: lifestyle
0: or, yeah, <laughs> Carrie no. dated
1: a Yankee. So like yeah. Like
3: yeah, and yeah he, she dated, yeah, she dated uh, I think the Joe, ro- the Yankee. The
1: rookie of the year, yeah.
3: But yeah, I think that I think you're right. They would use chef personalities because they're in in popular culture right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what do you think is what do you think is the most famous restaurant that you've seen in Sex in the City?
3: Well, I think I mean 11 Madison. Maybe Balthazar is one that Balthazar gets a, a ton of yeah. play in Sex and the City and that really fits that old kind of I don't know if it's as much vibe driven but it's like old giant kind of brasserie style like yeah. huge
0: Well and it was a it was was that Keith McNally? I'm yeah. not sure. It was it was a place know. to be seen. It was, mm-hmm. it, was it was definitely was a, place, definitely to be a place to be seen. It was a downtown place. Yeah. Um yeah, no. And and it was also hard to get a reservation there.
3: You're yeah, well, th- there's an, an episode that I, I don't know if it's at Balthazar, I think it is, but it's earlier in the series, and there's a whole, whole storyline of how they can't get in and they don't know the right hostess, and there's this whole deal about, like, the most powerful people in New York restaurants is the person that can get you a table. Right. They're like, it's not the owner, it's, it's, or it's, it's the gatekeeper, basically, <laughs> and so they have a whole deal where they're trying to get in with this hostess. There's another episode that we love talking about because in season one, they go to a place called Club Chaos— is that the the SNM one? It's that's not the SNM oh. one. The SN, the S M one is uh oh, we'll have to look that up. It's a great question. There's there's a lot of funny fake ones they do. There's one called Tunnel of Love.
0: Which is supposed to be what? Which is uh it, it, <laughs> that it, could also be the S M yeah.
3: one. Tunnel of Love is supposed to be uh it's it maybe an S and M one or something like that. I don't know. But uh but yeah, um Club Chaos is a fake restaurant. So it's a fake bar. They were like Club Chaos, the hottest bar. <laughs> we always like to talk about Club Chaos because you you live have lived here for a while. Have you yeah. ever known of a place called Club Chaos? Never. And okay. I don't
0: think I would ever go to a place called Club Chaos. Yeah,
3: there you go. Good move. <laughs> Good move on your part.
0: Well, Corey, it's been it's been awesome talking with you. Can you just? Give a shout out to the podcast. Tell everybody about it. How to get in touch with you. Yeah.
3: So the podcast is called the Bradshaw boys. We are on Instagram and Twitter at the Bradshaw boys. And we also have a a really interesting episode going up soon um, where we went to tortilla flats the last day that it was open and we interviewed a bunch of regulars. We interviewed the staff. And, uh, so yeah, check that out. It's, it's, it's really cool to hear about like New York restaurants in that way.
0: I've forgotten many nights about Tortilla Flats. Most people have. Most people (laughs) have.
3: It's a great place. Corey, Corey, Cavan. There we go. Cavan. There we go. Thanks for,
0: thanks for coming on the show. Thanks guys. We need to do this as a long form podcast because this is nothing. We've been talking for 20 (laughs) minutes and we scratched the surface. We totally did. But (laughs) thanks, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Thank You're you, listen to The Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rafa 620 AM. We will be back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Tom from The Not a Foodie Show. Are you a small business looking for ways to reach a large, influential cooking and restaurant-loving audience? We've got multiple marketing solutions available. Contact info at Natafoodie.com for more information.
2: If you are listening to this broadcast, chances are you've toyed around with the idea of launching your own creative recording project or podcast. If so, BK Media Center is the perfect media facility for your needs. Whether you're a group of friends looking for a soundproof facility to record a podcast or a more dynamic project with live streaming up to nine cameras, the staff at BK Media Center can cater to your needs and, more importantly, to your budget, also providing flexible studio schedule. Visit the website at bkmediacenter.com or call 917-300-9123 to set up a studio tour. Are you a bar owner or thinking about becoming one? Whether you need a new cocktail
1: list or an entire staff train, the experts at Express and Discard can help. Email today for a free consultation. Consult at expressdiscard.com. Everyone deserves an expert in their corner. We are back
0: with the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rampa, 6:20 a.m. Mike, it's that time of the of the show. What are we drinking? What are we drinking? And we've got Corey. I'm back, Corey Caven. There we go, Corey Caven. Corey Log is, is with us. Log cabin. Are
1: you um, having a Cosmo, Corey? I
3: am. I'm just right now. I'm drinking. I have a drip that just goes into my vein. A Cosmo. So, all the so time. So we
0: do this after every at the end of every show. We talk about what, you, you know, you put yourself in the mindset. You've just been recording radio shows all day on a Saturday, and it's Saturday night. You're going home. Mm. What are you drinking tonight?
3: If it were this week, and this is kind of a weird one, there, there's two that I'll give you. One is that I don't really drink a lot of beer, uh, mm-hmm. but I live really close to the other half brewery nice. in Brooklyn. Ooh, yeah. And that beer is so good. And so I, I was at Other half the other night, and I had what's called a twice baked with sour cream. It's uh, what? it's an, it's a, it's, I think it's an imperial IPA, but they do lactose beers there. So like any of their IPAs are just they're they're sweet and they're great. So that, and then also uh, because we. Have been in the Cosmo realm, and we have a, a liquor sponsor on the Bradshaw Boys. I got back into White Russians, <laughs> Ooh. and I don't. And people seem to look down on White Russians, but they're like a delicious milkshake.
0: I was introduced to the White Russian by like my grandfather when I was like maybe 14 years old. It's
1: yeah. very current right now, especially for you with that Super Bowl commercial.
3: Yeah, yeah, with the Stella commercial oh, with, yeah. uh, with, with the with
1: the dude and Carrie. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, good so that's call on I'm White
0: at. Russian. I might, I might have to change mine and have a White Russian.
1: <sighs> it's now. so good.
0: Mike, what are you drinking tonight?
1: I'm going to have a Gold Rush because they're easy to make. Mm. What,
0: what's a Gold Rush? I've never heard of that.
1: Gold Rush is two ounces of whiskey, bourbon, rye, whatever you want, over ice, uh, half a lemon squeezed, and a little bit of honey. Mm. It's like a hot toddy, but for not a, hot, but cold. It's a cold right. it's yeah. a toddy. Mm-hmm. It's just,
0: or just a toddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a gold toddy. It's a gold it's toddy. It's a gold toddy. That's what we call
3: it a gold toddy.
0: Uh, well, I am going to have, and I had it last weekend while I was watching football, uh, a mezcal mule. And a mezcal mule is just a, it's a riff on a Moscow mule, and you use mezcal instead of vodka. Um, so it's mezcal, ginger beer, lime juice, put it in a nice, and and I, I didn't put any bitters
1: in the last one. Oh, at, next time you make one, add some orange bitters or some cherry bitters? You know what I
0: had? So my wife made one for me. My wife makes the drinks in the house. I cook. She makes the drinks. She made me a Mezcal mule, and um, in my house, if you're having Mezcal, it's are you having scorpion or worm? Because we've got two bottles, one with the scorpion in the
3: bottle. One the in the bottle. <laughs> That's great. I
0: said, well, you know, I'll have the scorpion because we don't have much of the scorpion left, and I like the worm one better, and she forgot to strain out the scorpion. So she finished the bottle of Mezcal. I'm getting ready to sit down and watch the worst Super Bowl ever, and I take a sip, and there's a scorpion floating in the wow. top
1: of my Mezcal mule. So she's just garnishing really she's well. She's garnishing That's, really. Yeah. I
0: mean, it was like the perfect little garnish if for you're, a Mescal
1: mule. If you're gonna garnish up your game, did <laughs> you, you
0: eat really it? did? What? Did you
1: eat? I it? did not eat it. Oh. It looks very pinchy. I ate a scorpion in Thailand. Oh my gosh. I How was just that? just for Awful. the heck of it or I you go to San Road, you get tattoos, you party and you eat scorpions. <laughs> and that,
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you do all that, then
1: you come back and you really get your life together. Yeah. <laughs> You got it all out of your system. <laughs> I couldn't keep the scorpion down. I, I, I didn't vomit. Oh. I just spit it out. Oh, my kids disgusting. were fascinated.
0: My, first of all, my kids were fascinated by the worm versus scorpion like conversation. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you mean worm versus scorpion? I don't understand. Are mom my...
3: and dad sorcerers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> my son is extremely curious about like anything food and drink related. Yeah. Because he's my son, and uh, when I said I wanted. The scorpion. He said he didn't understand what that meant, and then I showed him my drink with the scorpion, and he freaked out. Everybody in the house freaked wow. out. But yes. So I am going to have a scorpionless mescal mule tonight, I believe.
1: Perfect. All right. All right.
0: Well, thanks for thanks for joining us, Corey. Thanks for having me. So, you, everyone, goodbye.
3: <laughs> there
1: we go. Thank you.
0: This is the Not a Foodie Show on Radio Rafa. 620 AM
1: at not a foodie show on Instagram at, on Instagram, at, at Bradshaw, boys Bradshaw boys on Bradshaw Instagram at the Bradshaw boys on
0: Instagram at not a foodie on Twitter info at not If you want to email us what at, else
1: at Mike Maranti M I K E M I R A N T I at T M I A L E Very good. Like, yeah, Thank,
3: Thank you. Corey, do you have anything else you want to add? At uh, Corey Cavan on yeah. all the socials. C-O-R-Y-C-A-V-I-N. No @coreycavin. L. No L. <laughs> no L. No L. <laughs>